1: what is up waffle gang i do hope you are well my name is mark and today we're checking out some r slash malicious compliance if you are new here please consider hitting that like that subscribe and maybe that notification bell too as it all massively helps out our channel and let's just jump straight in to today's stories much love guys now this first story comes from uspo222 don't piss off your farmer neighbor you may have to pay for it. So this didn't happen to me, but an attorney I work with regularly as part of my job. He moved from a very high COL area to our rural community, sold his $2 million house, paid off and inherited from his grandparents, and bought 50 plus acres with a huge house in a bedroom community that has a lot of dairy farms. He always used to say how it was much better living up here, both in terms of lifestyle and monetarily, as his urban $2 million house had property taxes in excess of $40,000 per year. Now, in addition to the huge house, the property was mostly fields, 40-ish acres, and had a 10-acre or so large wood lot. After he moved into his new house, the attorney was approached by his neighbor, one of the area dairy farmers. The farmer told the attorney how he had a handshake agreement with the former owner of the attorney's home and property. The farmer would mow the fields for hay two to three times per year and would harvest a sustainable amount of trees out of the woodlot. In exchange, the former property owner got 10% of the chopped wood, which was more than enough to heat the house all year long without having to run the oil boiler for anything more than hot water. The farmer wanted to keep this arrangement going as it had worked out well for both parties for over a decade. The attorney thought the former owner was being taken advantage of and refused to do a handshake agreement, but told the farmer to give him a week to drop a proper contract. The farmer was not overjoyed with making this out to be more than a gentleman's agreement, but agreed to come back the following week. The attorney decided that what would be fair was that the farmer should pay him $1,000 each time he mowed the fields for hay, since the farmer would feed the hay to his cows for free otherwise completely ignoring that the farmer was using his own equipment and time to do the haying and that the lawyer deserved 50% of the chopped wood and not 10% or at least the 50% of the revenue the farmer got from selling the excess chopped wood. Again, ignoring the equipment and the time investment of the farmer. As you can guess, the farmer refused. This all happened in late 2019 when the fields were rather bare and the supply of chopped wood for the house was full. Well, here comes 2020 and now the fields are starting to look like garbage because none of the other farmers will pay to hay the fields. In fact, after speaking with the first farmer, all of the other area farmers are unwilling to mow the fields unless the attorney pays them $1,000 per mowing. And of course, come winter time the attorney's wood pile is depleted and he has to use the oil boiler to heat his entire home, costing well over $300 a month in winter heating costs. Now we come to early 2021, tax prep season. The farmer, being a good, dutiful, community-minded citizen, informs the town that he did not cultivate any of the attorney's land for the entirety of 2020. Nor did he know any of the farmers who did. Well, as it turns out, this is a big deal because in our state, farmland is assessed at a much lower value than residential property and additionally has a separate and lower tax rate. The attorney's land had previously been entirely zoned as farmland, except for the house and a few acres of lawn around it. Now, the town sent out an assessor and rezoned the entire 50-plus acres as residential, which more than tripled the taxable property value and imposed the residential tax rate rather than the much lower farm tax rate. The attorney was quite surprised and furiously told me and everyone else we work with all this past week, how he's going to sue the town because they now expect him to pay $50,000 a year in property taxes. Wow. And I sort of wonder after this one, does this mean like, if he did want to move back to wherever he came from now, is he screwed because because of all of his land is now residential and is such a high tax no one's going to want to buy it surely, and I wonder how long it would take to get it to to be rezoned as sort of agricultural land again Wow that's going to cost him massively, but you know he could have he could have agreed to it at the start <laughs> but we'll read some comments to see what they say with Dan dead one two one eight saying. Not quite the same, but my friends have been on the same farm for 200 plus years. Some city folk came to the grandfather and said how much they liked the country life. Would he sell some of the land for four houses? He did. The next spring, they took him to court because his dairy farm smelled. They lost. The following winter, the barn collapsed. Spring, they built a new barn, right next to the four houses. It was closer to the road after all. <laughs> And Omega Goober says What kind of idiot turns down free maintenance of his property and no labor restocking of his woodpile? Did he plan to mow all 50 acres himself? Unless he has a way to harvest, bale and sell the grass it's yard waste he'd have to deal with. And Flipflop180 says We own a house with 20 plus acres of farmland on the eastern shore of Virginia. We rarely use the house but a local farmer farms the land. He's supposed to pay us a rental fee for being allowed to use our land. In 20 years, we have never collected any money from him. Why? Because he watches the house for us. He would probably pay us and watch the house because he's a nice, honest man. But we don't need the money, so we don't collect. Why spoil a good thing? Absolutely. And S. Burr says, grew up on a hog farm. Luckily, wasn't much inflow from the cities yet, so no real issues with new neighbours. What is always fun, at least in my state, is fencing laws. Getting a neighbor to pay up for their half of the fence on the property line usually ends up in court. Even more fun when the neighbor is the railroad. My dad is currently suing his neighbor for cattle rustling. Dad's cattle went through the fence to neighbor's land, and he went over to the neighbors to receive his cattle and pay for any damages incurred neighbor kept giving him the runaround not right now for a few months then we find out he sold them right before christmas says he contacted my dad but nobody was ever home which was a lie because my mum was going through chemo so he sold them didn't go well in mediation so now it's going to court wow i'm quite interested in like all these like farmyard stories (laughs) it's quite interesting, isn't it but now we'll move on to another story now, our next story has lots of updates and setup and, and lots of little bits going on, but it's from internal car 8922. And it's called Tired Flight Attendant is ordered to get an in-flight movie that is interesting enough and maliciously complies. The malicious compliance belongs to my beautiful wife, but since it was from many decades ago, from a time before we knew each other, we will call her classy flight attendant here. First, the usual disclaimers. I'm on computer, so completely responsible for the formatting. English is both my first and third language, and my mother was a school teacher, so I am completely responsible for my use of grammar and spelling. Although I don't care to hear about it if the spelling tends to vacillate between British and American standards, or punctuation for that matter. Dialogue is translated from the original language and is given as reported to me. The setup. At the time of this event, Classy Flight Attendant is one of their top-tier flight attendants for a country's national airline. Strictly speaking, any of their flights that do not involve ports in the USA or its territories are not required to follow all FAA rules. However, whenever they fly to ports regulated by the FAA, they are expected to follow the rules to the T. Of course, it doesn't always work out that way in practice. On this occasion, classy flight attendant had just landed from Europe at her home airport in South America, only to learn that she is being turned around for a round trip to New York City. She protests. By the time she lands in New York, she'd be well outside FAA rest period rules with all the consequences that could follow. Her supervisors don't care. They need her on that flight right now, and away she goes. But she knows that the flight to New York isn't the real problem. It's the return trip that will be pure misery. Her compatriots flying home from New York tend to be extremely entitled. They're coming from New York. That makes them somebody now. They will refuse drink service when offered and then when the flight attendant is three or four rows further along, push the call button and order a drink. They will keep an attendant hopping back and forth the whole flight for stupid little things. Many of them things they could actually do for themselves. Classy flight attendant is tired and knows that dealing with this entitled crowd on the return trip is going to be the worst. As they get into New York, she is told to go and check an in-flight movie for the return trip. The suggestion is made to make it interesting enough to keep the passengers too busy to order the flight crew around that much. Q, the malicious compliance. The malicious compliance. As she looks over the options and finds the perfect film, it will keep the passengers riveted to their seats. Frankly, given the nature of the film, she isn't sure why it exists in the cartridge format used on planes at this time. Perhaps because the format is also used on some yachts and cruise ships. She orders it. Once on board, she keeps it a secret. She knows that once she pops it in and starts to play, the systems in use at that time cannot be stopped. But at any time before that, she could be thwarted. Mid-flight, as the plane is well out over the ocean, on its way south, she pops it in. Airport 77 Airport 77 For those who don't know, this film is about an airplane crashing in the ocean and passengers and crew trying to escape with their lives from 100 feet underwater. The results are immediate and absolute. While there are many white knuckles, no one seemed inclined to press their call buttons and classy flight attendant has a very quiet, uninterrupted rest for the remainder of the flight home. The aftermath. As she is deboarding, one old lady is heard to say that she will never fly National Airline again. When caught on the carpet for a movie choice classy flight attendant feigns ignorance claiming to have thought it was the much more comical airplane and that the name was lost in translation she's given a three-day suspension which is a much-needed rest oh and she will never be allowed to pick the in-flight movie ever again then op does go in and say some thank yous and all this kind of thing And then goes on some clarifications and says the least first just to get out of the way. My first language is American English and my first is British English. For those that argue they are the same language, have it your way. It was meant as a throwaway line and a bit of humor. It did generate a lot more questions than I would have expected. My fifth language is also English, in a way, but many consider it ASL, American Sign Language, to be different language from English, while still insisting that British English and American English are the same thing. This perplexes me somewhat, but again, not a hill I am prepared to die on. (laughs) For those of you who challenge my writing style by asking, who talks that way? Well, I do. Not your cup of tea, I understand, but thank you for visiting. For those who love it, thank you sincerely. And for those handful of eagle eyes who caught me in misspelling, which I won't correct here, the original post remains untouched, well done you. I did mean hopping, not hopping. It was spelt with one P during the thing, just for people on the podcast. In an attempt to keep the story brief and leave out unessential details, I left out a few very pertinent ones. Many have been confused as to how Airport 77 would be an option available on the airplane in the first place. The answer is simple, it wasn't. At the time this event took place, there were services that provide cartridges of movie in a format that was used exclusively on planes and boats. The airlines on cruise lines would pay a handling and licensing fee and the cartridge itself. I'm led to believe would we'll track the number of uses so the proper charges could be made. This is why the movie could not be stopped when started so it's rather akin to a member of the flight crew going to a specialized blockbusters and picking a movie from their selections. Since they also served boats, it would include options that were perhaps not intended for use on planes, consistent with public exhibition rules of the day. There were specialized versions of the movies that excluded foul language and nudity. I also appear to have not made it clear enough in the original post that it was illegal for classy flight attendant to fly into New York City without having provided her mandatory rest period. And this not only risked the airline being penalized if they had been audited and placed in jeopardy her FAA certifications, without which she'd be unable to continue working in her profession. And then goes on to an update. For this to make sense, a little context is needed. I first learned of this event from others who were around at the time it happened, and not from Beautiful Wife herself. She is actually not particularly proud of this malicious compliance and doesn't like to talk about it much however for her co-workers on that flight and others in her company who heard about it as well as her sisters for them she is a legend for this as well as other events she doesn't like to talk about much one involving an intended petty revenge that almost crash landed a 747 will likely be the topic of another post in another subreddit when i get time to pin down the details and write it up So it is that while I have gotten a beautiful wife to tell me her version of the event, as well as to read and approve the original post, there was additional information to uncover. While we're on a long drive to a family event a few towns away, I expressed some of the honest concerns from this community about collateral damage, the potential of traumatizing innocents and children, For example, in the past she has expressed that her main immediate regret while the movie was playing was a legitimate concern she may have caused a heart attack during the flight. Fortunately, there were no medical incidents forthcoming. Me? But what about the children? Beautiful wife says, oh, there were no children on that flight. If there had been, I wouldn't have done it. I said, wasn't it your usual 747? How is it possible there were no children? Why says, no, it was only a 200-passenger jet. It was a special. That's why they wanted me on it. The context there being that classy flight attendant was in fact very classy and normally requested for any flights involving dignitaries, famous singers or actors and other specials. It turns out the flight from New York that day was a special with two opposing sports teams. Their management staffs and many rich promoters and others from entitled compatriots living in New York City who had enough money to go to the exhibition game they were involved in. In other words, they weren't just the entitled, they were the uber rich, uber entitled. There was in fact much less potential for collateral damage than I had always believed existed. Also, because of the nature of this flight, Her malicious compliance directly impacted the airline that didn't honor her mandatory rest period requirements. As the group on that special decided to use an American airline to return back to New York and never contracted such a flight again with National Airline. If it were not for the prominent position her father held in her country at the time, I do not doubt for a minute that she would have been fired outright. She still really enjoyed the rest provided by the three-day suspension. And the money lost didn't matter. She didn't actually need to work at all. So I hope you find all that additional detail as interesting as I did. Thank you all for being awesome. And yes, <laughs> that was an absolutely wild ride. And I think I would absolutely, I'm not the best of flyers myself anyway. And being on a flight where, you know, a movie was played, where there was a flight crash going on, I think I would just had to close my eyes and hope for the best. <laughs> And don't get on this guy's back about the way he talks. I absolutely love a good storyteller like this. Fantastic. And we'll move on to another story. And our next story is from Ace Sue. Want me to show your shitty and overpriced apartments to new tenants? Fine. Context, me and my girl have recently moved into this new apartment complex. That's definitely way too overpriced compared to what you get. Also to find that it's not soundproof at all. I live on the second floor and on the first floor is the motorbike garage. Living in Vietnam, so everyone rides motorcycles here. It's definitely way too loud. You can hear other tenants coming in and out of the house like the doors and walls aren't even there. To top it off, there's a jail cell-like gate at the front door. Every time someone in the complex comes in and out of our house, it sounds like a nightmare, especially at 1 or 2 a.m. It's like having someone smash two heavy metal objects together next to your ears. Not to mention loud bikes. Other issues were like, no internet for two weeks after we move in, electrical outlet not working, etc. Compliance. Anyways, after two months of BS, we had enough and decided to move out. The owner wasn't happy, but she can't do shit. It's because we only signed a two-month contract. Normally three, but gut feelings tells me to only sign two. Paid a bit more, but eff it. She keeps trying to get us to show the apartment to the new tenants because we work from home. At first we thought what a hassle, then it hit us that we should because warning these people of how shitty it is living here. So for the next two weeks, every tenant coming to see the apartment, we explained to them exactly how shitty it was if no one else from the apartment complex side come along. If there was someone coming with, we would be trying to give signs of some sort such as shaking our heads or signing no with our mouths behind the owner's back and so on. Most of the new tenants understood the sign straight away and walked away with a happy face. The most satisfying part was when the couples with newborn babies come in to see the apartment or young single mums. Hell, I sleep easy, but with the gate situation downstairs, the babies and their mums would definitely have a shit time here. It was so satisfying to let them know of how much of a nightmare an overpriced this apartment is, and that they are better off at other places. Made our day much better knowing we did something good. And these are my favorite kind of malicious compliances as well, is when they're like they're doing good at the same time they're letting these people know young mums and stuff like that know that they're gonna have a shit time being in that apartment (laughs) and this next story is cut from think substance 1790 you reap what you sow this was years ago in an old job i came down with a serious case of gastroenteritis we're talking both ends non-stop all day all night serious i couldn't hold down water it was so severe I worked in an office where we shared desks, and because gastro is super contagious, I told my manager. I explained what was wrong and she threatened to reprimand me if I left sick. I phoned the doctor and got an emergency appointment, explained we only get stats sick if we're off, one day's pay for the entire week, and what my manager had said. The doc gave me anti-sickness and anti-D tablets to try and ease it, but this was relentless. The tablets did nothing. So I go into work and I'm disappearing to the loo for one or the other every five minutes without fail. I hadn't slept for about two days. I had sweat, I was pale and my eyes were bugging out, but my boss just refused to accept I was ill. Now I had some of the best productivity stats in the office, so the massive drop in productivity caused the big wigs to notice, and I got pulled into a meeting. I explained everything, what my boss said, that the doctor had told me I needed to be off because it's super contagious and I was left in a situation where I had to come in. The boss freaked. My manager was pulled into the meeting and destroyed. I was assured for that. I would never be penalized because of what it was. Six other people ended up off sick and I got an extra two days annual leave as an apology so I didn't take them to HR best bit my manager was one of the people that caught it they were off for nearly two weeks and the bosses and not so few words basically said they deserved it for what they said to me and i hate these situations where employers like cause this fear of going home sick when you're genuinely sick or even booking holidays off sometimes I think in those particular situations, especially what OP was going through in this, you go to HR immediately and say, look, I I have something that's contagious right now and I need to be at home and then see what they say rather than suffering at your desk because of it. But yeah, (laughs) what do you guys make of today's stories? Did you enjoy today's malicious compliance? And if you did, let me know in the comments below and just a huge thank you for spending some time with me to listen to these stories. Thank you so much and I will see you in the next one. Take care guys, much love.